0: welcome everybody this is uh narrative dissonance on unsafe space where we challenge the mainstream media's narrative and we question what they might be misleading us about and what they might not be telling us at all um my name is juliet and this is carter
1: howdy you know julia i was hoping for the intro beverly made a cool intro oh and it's just we're just not using it yet i I don't know (laughs) Yeah. We're going to use the lame one forever. Oh, well.
0: <laughs> Next week on Narrative Dissonance. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, we're back. We're back on our main channel. For those of you who missed us. Um, and you guys streamed last night, Juliet. What did you do last night?
0: We talked about the case of Adnan Syed. That um, he was just... His conviction, his murder conviction was overturned after 23 years. It's a big deal. Anybody who's into true crime has probably heard about him. Um, there is a podcast called Serial that was huge about his case. So we just talked about that for three straight hours.
1: <laughs> so podcasting works. Yeah. That's the that's the uh that's the moral of the story. Right. Um All right. Well, if you're not watching us on YouTube, thank you. Thank you for watching us somewhere else, like Rumble or Odyssey or Utreon, or you can be on our website, unsafespace.com. That's the best place to find us. Even when we are banned from YouTube, which does obviously happen once in a while, <laughs> so uh, also uh, we do get banned from other platforms. But our ghost is back on Twitter. We're at underscore unsafe space. Who knows what happened to the original unsafe space account? I forget. I don't even remember why we were banned from that. I don't. Maybe they didn't tell us. That's probably the case with Twitter. Um, I don't know. What else do we need to say? Like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Oh, book club. This Sunday, we have The Satanic Verses by Salman Rushdie, hosted by yours truly, and Alex Maselli. We are hosting that uh, discussion this Sunday, if you want to join. It's, you know, I I don't want to say it's too late to read the book, but you'd probably have to take some time (laughs) off for work if you hadn't started. Uh, But, you know, finish it up. Join us then. And the next one is October 30th.
0: That's right. That'll be me. Um, We're doing Slaughterhouse-Five. It's a fictionalized version of stories from world war two, the very end of world war two. Um, but it's, re- it's a good one. It's short and easy. If you read 40 pages a day for a week, you you'd be able to do it. So <laughs> I'm excited okay. about that one.
1: Thank you for following up with an easier book. Cause I am not <laughs> finding the satanic verses particularly easy. It's a little bit, maybe I'm revealing my own incompetence, but it's a little bit tough for me. So uh, Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Juliet. All right. Well, uh, we should jump in. We should jump into the show because Emma's waiting. So uh, today we're very happy to welcome our special panelist, guest Emma Camp. She's an assistant editor at Reason Magazine. Her work has previously appeared in the New York Times, Common Sense, Real Clear Policy, and Persuasion. You can follow her on Twitter at Emma with three M's, E M M A underscore Camp underscore. Welcome, Emma.
2: Thank you for having me, and I'm, I'm sorry for my very difficult-to-pronounce Twitter handle.
1: <laughs> it's an interesting choice. I, I definitely look at it and go, so there's a lot of Emma Camps.
2: Well, That's and there's the actually TV. a funny story behind that one. Ooh. So yes, there, there is an Emma Camp. I guess I got on the Twitter game late, um, but there was actually a clerical error on my birth certificate that made my legal name Emma, but spelled with three N's, until I was
1: like 18. Oh, awesome. Wow. So why, why change it?
2: Why not change it is, is actually the real question. I did keep it, it had to be printed on my learner's permit. That's how I found out. My parents didn't notice, I didn't notice. And so I keep around that learner's permit from when I was 15 to show to people to prove to them that this really happened.
1: That's pretty cool. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a bad thing. A, a good story to tell on
2: podcasts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All
1: right. <laughs> Someone wants you to change it to Emma with, wait, is that four M's? Yeah. Your friend Paul <laughs> suggests that you change it to Emma with four M's.
0: Well, I'm going to fill out the paperwork right away. Thanks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I got to be honest. I think four M's is just a little too crazy.
0: You so. just have to say mm, too long if there are four yeah. M's. I'm in honestly. the three M's. <laughs> you add another 4. syllable. What do you do? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to the meat of the show instead of, uh, I mean, we could shoot the shit all day long, but it's. Maybe it is why people watch. I don't know. Emma, what do you think the most in, uh, important story about which mainstream media has been misleading people recently?
2: I, I had kind of a, a hard time with this one because my beat is very much sort of on, like, education and, and gender and, like, all these, uh these. So, so I kind of, out of fear of talking about something on which I don't know enough about, um, I went with, I think, what I thought was the most important story that was really in my wheelhouse and that I know enough about to kind of scream into the void about. And so sure. I picked the kind of, I suppose now mildly internet infamous Atlantic article arguing that segregating sports by sex doesn't make any sense. And this one was a doozy. Um, really, the the to get down to it, um, the article, I think its first error is that it, Tends to imply that the reason why we have sex segregation in sports is to prevent girls from getting hurt. And that is perhaps true for contact sports, but it obviously is, is not the main reason why. The main reason why is that, yes, there are some women that are stronger than some men, but generally it is a bell curve, two different bell curves that have very little overlap. Almost all women are physically weaker than almost all men. This is just a biological fact that anybody with eyes can see. Right. And what the article ends up arguing is that, you know, we actually don't really know why boys tend to do better in athletic competition than girls. You know, there's a a reliance on sociologists rather than biologists. Um, You know, perhaps it's just that we tend to believe, you know, girls are told that boys are inherently stronger and faster, And that really, you know, if we just supported girls more, they would perform better. Um, And this is obviously nonsense and also obviously not the way to support female athletes um and that's I my think, favorite
1: part about the article by the way is this this that idea that's that's my ba- that's the right best idea it's, I've ever it's heard.
2: absolutely preposterous right the reason why my brother is six inches taller than me and much stronger than me is not because my parents loved him more right and supported <laughs> him more and right it, it's because he's a boy uh, um, they asked
1: him to get stuff on the top shelf more often than you and that's why <laughs> he's taller
2: Right. Exactly. And so it, it, it's clearly ridiculous. And um, of course, it has this little bit of irony that I think some ideological issues end up having where it's almost like the less education you have, the more likely you are to get the answer right. Like, I think if you told people who just have a high school degree, like, why are girls less strong than boys? They'll be able to tell you it's like because of the biological differences between men and women. And then if you pull people with like master's degrees, like the chances that they'll be like, but what do you mean? It is because of sociological <laughs> factors it's more likely to happen. And this is of course also frustrating to me because I, I still consider myself a feminist as much as feminism is sometimes frustrating to me. Um and also there's, you know, an implicit argument here that that is in the article that's sort of Kind of telegraph to, which is this idea that we can't give transgender people lives full of dignity and equality unless we pretend that there are no biological differences between males and females. And I think transgender people sh- totally should have lives without discrimination, with equality, with dignity. And I don't think in order to gain that world, nor to gain a world in which women are treated equally in society, do we have to basically take this fundamentally anti-science position. I think we can get to a good world in which people are not discriminated against while still following science.
1: Yeah, I, that's one of these So I pulled this up. I've talked about this before, but I wanted to have the stat at the top of my head, so well, in front of me because it wasn't at the top of my my brain. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to keep it there. But there's this there's this argument that goes some large percentage of relatively large percentage of the population is intersex and that large percentage that we're told is like 1.7 percent right um now clearly even if that were true much more than 1.7 percent of people are claiming to be other genders and 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 complaining about being on the wrong sports teams or not being able to do uh, you know change in the right bathrooms or whatever. But that number is actually wrong. The real number is somewhere around 0.018%. That number, 1.7 number is based on um, stuff that has nothing to do with chromosomes matching the um, phenotypical expression. If you actually just take chromosomal expression, like chromosomes versus phenotypical phenotypical expression, we're at like 0.018%. So that first of all, this shouldn't really be a big issue. Like I I would agree if you're trans or whatever, like I don't really I don't care personally what you want to to be but why do you think this is this in the actual fact we have a very small percentage of people that might have real biological based issues struggling with their sexual or gender identity like right? there's this very small percentage why why is that now it's at least two three orders of magnitude more that we're seeing why do you think that is?
2: Well, I, I think I just, I want to tease that a little bit what you're talking about. So sure, inter- being intersex is like a medical condition that really doesn't have anything to do with how you identify. But are you asking me about like the increase in people identifying as transgender?
1: Well, yes. Although I'm glad we're getting into that nuance, which I was kind of crossing over. The, the so. increase
2: in, in like, <laughs> yes. in, I, in, in like supposedly people who are intersex.
1: Well, the intersex argument is used as as a an, an argument that there is not a bimodal distribution of sex, and therefore gender is completely a social construct. Whereas, I, I'm not sure what you would say about this, but I would agree to separate gender from sex and say, well, gender is. Uh, I'm actually okay saying gender is kind of a social norm, like it, but it's a label that's associated with a particular sex. Like you call something masculine because it ha- it's typical of sex-related traits, masculine, like male-related traits, and something's feminine because they're typically female-related traits. And obviously you can have uh, differences between there. But that doesn't mean that the sexes don't exist. And we're starting to see now uh, from some of the activists not only a destruction of the bimodal gender, but bimodal sex.
2: Right. I mean, I think the reason why... People, so, so I guess to get that, of course there is bimodal sex, right? So when you get down to it, yes, there are people that have certain abnormalities, say like a female person that has way higher than average testosterone that under one definition of intersex might be counted as intersex, but it, it it's clearly not. It's, it's a woman that has a hormonal, um, kind of issue. Um, There is, as you mentioned, a vanishingly small number of people that like truly seem to be intersex. Even then, so um, I believe Carol Rubin is her name, like there are plenty of scientists who would argue that there are still only males and females. So it just depends on what gametes you make. Basically, whether or not you make eggs or sperm determines what your sex is. But there are some people that, you know, say they make sperm, but if you looked at them as a baby, their genitalia would not be clear whether they are male or female. They might have XXY chromosomes. Like there, there are plenty of there is there are circumstances in which it is very difficult to tell. Um, but that's vanishingly small. And I think you know something that's quite obvious is that just because there are very limited range of exceptions does not mean that the rule doesn't apply
0: right
2: Right. you know just it's sort of to me saying that because there are a very very small number of truly intersex people there's no you know sex is a spectrum it's sort of like saying that because there are some people that have an amputated arm means that it's incorrect to say that human beings have two arms Mm -hmm. right like that that it's equally ridiculous you know say oh humans don't have four limbs because some people are amputees and it's like well it's clear that humans do in fact have four lids, there are just these rare exceptions that are kind of from an outside force, a lot of times. Um, and so I, I think why this argument gets applied, even though it's like obviously has clear logical problems, is that I, I think there is this error that is a lot of progressives have adopted, which is this idea that if we want to have the civil rights gains that certain minorities deserve, we have to sort of take this position. We have to kind of reject anything the other side might suggest. So if the other side says, well, there are male and female people, what do you mean you can change your gender identity? Instead of saying, well, here's why this argument is wrong, while staying in line with the science, they kind of say, no, the entire basis of it is incorrect, Um, which I think leads to this kind of fallacious argumentation where we kind of reject the notion of sex entirely. Um, which, of course, is ironic because, you know, a, a lot of transgender people want to try to change their sex as much as they can. And obviously, if sex doesn't exist, there would be no internal desire to change that about yourself. Like, it's, it's very clear that, like, the reason why this whole thing exists is because we have biological, biological sex that causes tremendous amount of distress for some people.
1: Well, and I would even argue that it's it's also you wouldn't have transgenderism if – well, you might have some of it, but a lot of the transgenderism you wouldn't have if there weren't clear gender – ideas of gender. Like that someone who wants to be a gender that's different than their sex or wants to present that way is specifically trying to embrace stereotypes of the opposite gender uh-huh. and start to manifest them. Like that's what they try and do because – they they you know some of them are saying well i don't fit anything and i know that's a thing right but traditionally if someone was uh a male to female trans they would be adopting they would be accepting this idea that there there are uh there are there is a female gender it's it's there's a like a gender stereotype they're not trying to break it they're trying to actually fit into it mm-hmm. like that's actually right. what they're trying to do
2: I think there's this kind of internal conflict between the current progressive line on this issue now, which is both that there is, you know, gender stereotypes are terrible. There's no right way to be a boy. There's no right way to be a girl. You can be a girl and dress however you want. You can be a boy and dress however you want. But, you know, so, you know, you can be a boy who wants to wear dresses all the time and play with pink toys and that's great and you're still a boy. But if you're a boy and you want to wear dresses, and you want to play with pink toys, maybe you're actually a girl. And and there's clearly conflict there, right? One says, like, gender stereotypes are stupid, we should get rid of them. And the other says, well, if you follow the wrong gender stereotypes, maybe you are not your gender. Um, And I think that that is – there's just a clear contradiction there. And I think the most kind of logical and liberating way forward is to take the gender stereotypes are ridiculous line – Um, I think that's much more likely to liberate people, to kind of break people free from the kind of oppression of these certain gender stereotypes and kind of let people exist the way that they are. You know, I think there's no right way to be a boy and there's no right way to be a girl. Um, And except for those people that do have tremendous distress with their bodies and for whom there might need to be certain interventions taken when they are adults who are able to consent to it. I think that you know, most people are better off not being told that the way that they exist—you know—that that, that there is a wrong way to be them. Um, and I think that's a little bit the line that's being taken by progressives right now.
1: Can I can I ask you something? Because in the in the, I'm old enough that I was around in the late '80s and '90s, and it seemed like the former position that you outlined was where society was going, where there was this idea. I, I probably wouldn't use language that that gender stereotypes are bad. Like, they're, to me, I just use I view them as descriptive, not moral or proscriptive. Like, they exist, but David Bowie didn't have to meet him, and no one really cares. And like, you mm-hmm. don't have to care that you don't meet it. That's okay. Um, and and I think we were moving in that direction as a society. We were we were it, it started to be okay that people were breaking out of gender stereotypes, and there wasn't a lot of ridicule for that. It was just like, okay, well. David Bowie is still a guy, or Boy George is still a guy, but if, or RuPaul, if you want to, you know. Um, but we've kind of lost that. That's kind of gone away. Is is it? Is that does that really still exist in the progressive world, or is it? Because because it, from as far as I can tell, it seems like that side kind of lost, and the progressives who are arguing that. Uh, Actually, if you are playing with dolls and pink things when you're a boy, you're you probably are a, a girl.
2: Yeah, I mean I think it exists in name only. Um, but I, I would I think it is, as I said, you know, I think it's a, a really a much more progressive position to kind of take the line that we should get rid of gender stereotypes entirely or, or kind of regard them neutrally as something that you might align with, you might not, rather than trying to um, Kind of force labels on people. Um, but of course, again, I still think we should leave room for people who decide that they want to, to basically transition, um, should still be accepted and treated with dignity and not be able to be like fired for, from their jobs for how they identify. Um, but you know, I also think that if we don't kind of worship these gender stereotypes, um, you know, the, the people who are truly Deeply distressed, will be the ones that still decide to go through with it, and everyone else will just be able to kind of live freely um, without these kind of expectations. On.
1: Let's talk about sports for a sec, because that's I, I I kind of took us off track, so I apologize. <laughs> yeah. I apologize for that. Um, let's talk about sports. Why are so? In your opinion, when I look at sports from the outside, I go, well, uh, really, they should have been segregated by sex, not gender. Um, if 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 what we're talking about if we're saying like well there's because there are differences biologically we're sexually dimorphic species um and especially when you start to get to high levels of competition the outliers uh have uh, are, are you know the outliers from the males are nowhere near the outliers for the females like you start to get a clear difference difference there um so i i kind of look at it and thought well it's First of all, I don't care because I don't think the government should be involved in any of this. So whatever kind of sports, if you want to start a sports league doing whatever, I don't really care. But um, it seems like why don't we just change it to – instead of women's sports, just change it to female sports and we can be done.
2: Well, I mean I think it is female sports right now. I, I think the only reason why we perceive women's sports and men's sports is referring to gender identity instead of sex is just because – we've developed a new definition of the word woman and man recently to be about kind of an internal identification instead of about biological sex. Um, You know, which there are like benefits and negatives to that. But fundamentally, like when we've had women's and men's sports, the implication has been female sports and male sports. Um, And I think that's the line that we should take currently, because it would be silly to have to divide sports based off of gender, not sex, right? Like, why would you have a sports league based off of, what, like, the people that, I guess we're talking about gender identity internally, like, the people that wear dresses and, like, bows yeah. and the people that, like, guns and trucks. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and so I, Are you yeah, talking I about think, a
1: libertarian yeah. sports league? I'm not sure exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that would be ridiculous. And um, I think when it comes to post in sports, I see nothing wrong with, like, mixed Sex, five-year-old soccer, obviously. Right. But I think when it comes to post-pubescent sports, yeah, we do need to have sex segregation because that's the only way that we protect um, we protect fair competition for females. Um, and you know, it's really unfortunate for post-pubescent trans women who want to be athletes. Um, but you know, I, I'll, I'll point out that Isaac Hennig, for example, who was a trans man um, swimmer from Yale, competed on the girls' team last year. Um, and he he wasn't taking hormones during that time. If a female athlete takes testosterone, that is doping. Um, but he identified as a man, and he competed on the girls team, and it was fine, right? There was no outrage over that. He seemed to be fine with it as well. I don't see why we can't ask transgender female athletes to do the same te- thing and compete on the men's team. Um, mm. And, you know, I, again, like, I, I don't think so... I think that transgender people should be treated equally in society. They should not be discriminated against. They should not face hate and harassment and so on. Um, but I do think that most people can recognize reasonable situations in which we need to have separation based on sex. You know, just in the same way that we would say that a trans woman doesn't need to see a gynecologist, right? I think when we look at these situations where they sex might, some separation of really they might matter. argue
1: about that, <laughs> <laughs> <You know,
2: laughs> okay, sure, but. We can all recognize where that might not be needed, right? Um, I think sports is a similar arena, Um, and it's unfortunate that there, you know, that you're not able to compete with the gender that you identify as. But fundamentally, there's a conflict of rights here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we can secure trans women's rights to not be discriminated against, while also securing cisgender women's rights to have fair competition. And I think a world in which we destroy cisgender women's rights to have fair competition um, to achieve kind of, I, 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 to, to achieve this like extra level of equality that is not strictly necessary. Um, I think we risk going down a, a bad path. And I think the reason why so many progressives have put up with this status quo um, really comes down to a certain flawed application of kind of intersectionality politics, You know, the idea is that a transgender woman is more oppressed than a cisgender woman because they're both women, but one of them is trans. And we must kind of hold up higher the more oppressed person in any given situation. Um, But I think in this case, it is certainly flawed because it misses the conflict of rights. Um, And, yeah, that's basically how I feel about the situation. Um, And and I, yeah.
1: Well, I mean... What do you say to one of the arguments in the article, which is, well, this article, for those of you who haven't read the article, we should just summarize. It starts out with this description of a girl who wanted to play football, and I forget her name. So-and-so really loved flag football, blah, blah, blah. She wanted to go play football. And she was incensed that, uh, according to the laws in New York State, she needed to be, because she was female and not male, she needed to undergo medical evaluation and basically have a doctor sign off that said, like, yeah, you can go play this contact sport with, with men. Um, and she did actually get onto the team. Um, but the argument, the argument in the article is, well, why don't we just have physical requirements for everyone? And we can, just like in, you know, boxing, we can just have weight classes, and that's how we do it.
2: Well, I, I guess to to the first part of that, I mean, I, I don't see why. So, so for one, I do think part of the medical requirements she was required to undergo were a bit ridiculous. Like, having a doctor evaluate her sexual development is disgusting. Mm-hmm. That's really weird and gross. I do think it does make people <laughs> have some kind of evaluation of physical fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that, that is what they're required. It was... It was ugh. Yeah, it was um, weird. But having some kind of evaluation of physical fitness... For a girl to play in a contact sport with boys absolutely makes sense. Like, if because th- this was also a football team that was no cut no cryout, right? I'm a very tiny woman. If I decided I wanted to be on a football team, I would get hurt almost immediately playing tackle <laughs> football, right? Someone should say, "No, you have hollow little bird bones. You should not be on this team." Um, but um, in terms of the argument of why don't we just separate by weight classes, that still doesn't work. Um, if you took Like, in most cases, if you take a man and a woman and they're both the same height and weight, um, the man is still going to be stronger in almost all cases. Like, men are built differently. Um, They have more muscle in certain places. It develops fat. They have bigger uh, cardiovascular systems. Mm -hmm. Um, And fundamentally, like, if you separate by weight classes, especially, like, you're still going to have a situation where women are not going to be competitive, um, and you can't really get around it. It's unfortunate. I would love a world in which men and women are, you know, equally athletic and we don't have to deal with any of the kind of thorny philosophical implications of gender and sex here, but we can't get around them. And I think trying to like socially engineer a world in which men and women have no biological differences doesn't make any sense. And, and also like, this is something that's uh, occurring to me now, but I think about all the time is if there are no biological differences between men and women, how did patriarchy become the norm in all yes. societies? Mm. <laughs> how did me, how were men able to like, cause then really the, the implication is like, what are women just stupid? Like- That's the implication <laughs> you know, by the way, I, yeah. Right? That's, like, yeah. I, that's like, what are you? but I, I don't think there's much evidence for that. Um, but like, no, clearly the answer is that in societies in which you gain power physically, right? By beating and killing your enemies, the sex with all of the upper body strength and the sex that also doesn't have to deal with pregnancy and child rearing is going to be the one that comes out on top. And for various reasons in, you know, these kind of pre-modern societies, it's important to control women's biological functions. Like, that's why. But if there's no biological differences between men and women, then patriarchy has no reason for existing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and, and I think it also leaves feminists in a much thornier area because you basically have to say the women are stupider. Um, which I don't think anyone would. I, if you don't want to say that men are physically stronger than women, you certainly don't want to say that they're smarter. And I also think it is not true that men are inherently smarter than women. Right.
1: Well, I mean, I think w- one easy way to see what you're we're talking about is if you can just look at other species, other primates, right? There are primates where there's basically zero sexual dimorphism, and uh, they're not patriarchal structures because mm-hmm. they're basically the same. Um, and then there's primates where... Th- massive sexual dimorphism and they're polygamous. And there's like the one ape, the one gorilla who kills all the other males and like has a harem. They're extremely patriarchal and humans are in the middle. We're a little bit sexually dimorphous, but not as much as gorillas. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just, just biologically you look at it and say, well, obviously this is, there's, this is, this is all just very obvious biologically, just from looking at our, you just look at our bones and see that. Um you know one thing I I look at this this trans athlete specifically the male to female trans athlete stuff and I think what a great way to perpetuate misogyny like if you want to perpetuate the patriarchy throw on a dress and compete in women's sports and like take the trophies what a great way like <laughs> why why is that not something that anyone is noticing i mean this is basically i I'm, I don't mean to be super harsh, but I think this is true for the, the the male athletes who have transitioned, I think, for the most part. This is predatory behavior. These, this is not just someone who wants to transition and, and live their life quietly as as a woman.
2: I, I mean, I don't want to claim to, like, see into someone's gendered soul. I, I, I mean, okay. we can disagree here, but I generally, um, you know, unless there's, like, a lot of evidence otherwise believe. People, uh, when, when they say that they transition because of men's gender dysphoria and, you know, a, 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 very strong identification. I'm more cynical, that's okay. <laughs> um, and, and also, like, I guess we're, we're kind of beating around the bush with Leah Thomas case, but I honestly, I would not be surprised if the reason why she was competing was because the coach told her. To be. Um, I, I, there's no evidence for this other than the coach being really enthusiastic about having her on the team. Um, but so, so this is, this is more like a hunch that I have, not like me making a journalistic claim. I have no concrete evidence for this, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, she transitioned because of this really severe gender dysphoria and, wasn't really sure if she was going to compete, but then the coach basically told her that she had to because the fact that she has a male body means that Ken can secure a lot of medals. Like, I think there's a lot of room for abusive athletes, especially these, like, college-age athletes who have scholarships on the line a lot of times, um, you know, from from their coaches. So I... Because I, I can't imagine that being under all that media scrutiny felt good. And so, I, I don't know. I have a, i I'm more willing to have a bit of pity for individuals in this situation But really the merciful thing would have been to not let her compete at all and say you're welcome to compete on the male team I'm very sorry that this might be uncomfortable for you but another trans person is doing the same thing and they're fine
0: right right Yeah.
1: okay I assume if you're a writer for Reason uh, editor at Reason you're at least a small L uh, libertarian yes. so let me ask you Um, you know, you said before, I wish all the, you know, I wish we didn't have to talk about that. Like, I wish it, we were in a world where there was this equality and we didn't have to talk about it. And, um, I, part of me looks, I don't really want, want there to be, I'm happy with differences between whomever and like, I, I, I'm okay with that. I don't want to be in that world. I don't like the world in which, um differences in strength are perceived as somehow moral or superior that doesn't make any sense um but we're in the world where we have to talk about this not for any of there's no nature has not put us in this position Mm -hmm. government has Um, can you talk about how like how how much do you think this is government's i think it's government's fault. but how much do you think this is government's fault
2: I mean, a, a lot of it is certainly regulators' fault. Some of them are non-government. Some of them are just, like, the official um, kind of rulemaking agencies for certain sports. Um, I am curious to see how Title IX ends up applying to this. So the Biden administration did release new um, kind of proposed Title IX rules. However, they, they – so, so they did introduce this new definition of – Sex discrimination, which includes gender identity and sexual orientation, which would seem to basically get rid of sex-segregated sports, or at least sex-segregated sports for trans athletes. Um, however, the, agent, the, the administration very explicitly in these rules said, we will have an entirely separate rulemaking process for how this will apply to sports. So we don't know yet. I don't super see the Biden administration saying we have this new definition of, of sex discrimination, but actually it's totally, it doesn't apply to trans athletes and they have to compete with their biological sex. We're very sorry. Like, I just don't see that happening. But I do think if they do, if they don't, I don't really know how you would have some kind of middle ground, um, maybe have certain testosterone or estrogen requirements. We have those already. That doesn't really change performance that much. Um, but I I think if they do end up going through with it and kind of do the nuclear option, which is whatever gender you identify as, this is the sport category you compete in, you're going to see a lot of backlash. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think, you know, more and more people, especially people that aren't really beholden to these kind of progressive institutions, knowledge-making institutions, um, are just going to see how obviously unfair it is. And I, I think it's going to be really bad for the trans rights movement, right? Like, I I, I say, like, part of being a small libertarian is that small L libertarians, I want people to be able to do what they want, right, and exist freely in society doing so. Like, I, I have said it many times here, because I really want to clarify, like, I respect transgender people, I want them to live free, happy, beautiful lives, where they can do whatever they want, and no one cares, right? But I think Taking this specific issue as the line, you know, as, as the hill to fight and die on, rather than housing discrimination, rather than employment discrimination, is going to turn off a lot of people who would otherwise support the movement because they'll say, This is what you want, right? You want to keep my daughter from being able to change in a sex segregated changing room. You want to keep my daughter from being able to compete on a fair sports team. Like, that's going to really turn off a lot of people to this movement in a way that I think will be really detrimental to it and unfortunate. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is government regulators' fault and kind of government regulatory agencies um, having a, a lot of times these perspectives on issues that really do not match with the science as much as they claim to hashtag trust the science.
1: <laughs> well, this is what you get when you've got an educational system that's supported by the government, right? I mean, if if the government wasn't involved in schools, we could be arguing with... The ncaa about what their rules is but it wouldn't be coming from washington on high what the laws are it would just be whatever the free market has decided the sports rules are um and we would have that conversation it'd probably be more nuanced but you know when there's a when there's a lot of power when there's a gun in the room and everyone's fighting over get what the rules get to be because they apply universally to everyone uh i think it makes it a much more charged discussion um let me ask you this: You, you, I don't know where actually. I don't know, really know where libertarians stand on this. I'm a bad small L libertarian if I'm if I'm a small L libertarian because I don't really understand the, like what all the parties like. I know there's factions within libertarianism that that are maybe wildly opposed to to different things. Um, but one question I've got: You know, you said you want you want people to be uh, happy and free to do what they want. And like I, I agree. Like I want people to be happy and free to do what they want. I. And certainly from the perspective of what they should be, what the government should allow them to do, I think I want them to be as free as possible. There's a difference between that and thinking that what people are doing is good for them. Um, And one thing I don't see from a lot of the libertarians that I've seen argue, oh, people should be free to do what they want. is like, yes, and maybe heroin addiction is bad for you. It should be legal but it's really bad as is not dealing with psychological problems and throwing them all into this category of, I must be a different gender. That's bad for you. It doesn't mean that there's no one that ought to be presenting as a different gender. It just means this is something that needs to be treated seriously and not everything that people want to do should come with a moral stamp of approval. It should come with a government. Okay. Like I'm cool with the government. Like do you draw a distinction there?
2: Yeah, no, I totally do. Um, There are many, many things that I think are bad for people, but that I also think the government has no position regulating. I I definitely, you know, I definitely agree that there are probably plenty of situations in which people go through with certain medical procedures, say in this case, without being properly assessed, and they end up regretting it, and it's this terrible thing, and like, you know, and and I also think it's a job of therapists to be better, um, in that case. But yeah, I definitely do not think it's the government's job to control what people do. I think for so I believe it was Texas that's instigating these CPS investigations of parents with transgender identified children. Yep. That's horrible, right? Um, and so I, I think that we can both say like this is not good for people to do, or there might be some drawbacks to it, or maybe, you know, some kind maybe of... there's more
1: nuance than it's being said. Uh-huh. Right.
2: But then fundamentally, the transition position is, but it's not the government's job to make people do what I would have them do, right? You know, for example, I'm like a pretty committed vegan. I'm a very committed vegan. I think eating meat is bad and is morally wrong. I do not think it's the government's job to make people do what I would have them do, because what I would have everyone do is never eat meat again, um, but also, like, I don't think it would be a better world if the government came and you know uh, they they took your hot dogs. Like, I, I don't actually think that would be a better world for anybody. I think maybe hot dogs,
1: it better. would be better, but I'm not totally. <laughs> <laughs>
2: take your A <A5>, five wagyu.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, they definitely shouldn't take that. Um, okay, let's mm-hmm. actually. Sorry, Juliet, were you going to say something? Yeah, I
0: like this is one of the things I like, it's like, I feel like I'm like trying to do a logic problem in my head every time something like this comes up. So like, with in the libertarian philosophy on things like so if you're free to live your life, however, you want to do it, right? Like government regulation out of the way. But like, where do you draw the line when how you want to live your life is affecting other people's freedom? I mean, what would be like Like in the sporting. So like there's a trans athlete and they want to play on the team they're identifying as. But by doing that, they're putting all the other members of that team at a disadvantage like Leah Thomas.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think when you have a conflict of rights, you need to evaluate it. And I think in this case, it's pretty clear that the female athletes should win out, right? It's someone else who's asking to... Participate in a pre-existing thing. Who has an alternative, right? It isn't. Mm-hmm. Leah Thomas doesn't get to participate in sports at all. She's completely free to compete in the men's team, right? right. Okay. It's compete in sport because I think for female athletes, it's compete in sports in a fair way at all. Whereas right. for Leah Thomas, it's compete in sports with the team that makes me happier to compete with versus competing at all. And I think it's a situation where you're going, Right, okay. We would love you know, I, I would love for you to be able to compete here. You know, I I would love for the treatments we have to be better and, you know, to be able to completely make you female, but we haven't figured out how to do that yet. You know, we haven't right. figured out how to scoop your brain out and put it in a female body. So unfortunately you have to compete with the men. Um and I get that, that would be emotionally hard for someone, but it's also emotionally hard to um not have a fair competition at all. Um, Absolutely, and, and yeah. I think that the like you know we talk all the time about like the harm that might be done to Leah Thomas here, and I definitely think like the media backlash was was unwarranted um, on her specifically. Um, but you know, there's also a lot of harm being done to the female athletes in this mm-hmm. case as well, um, who really had no opportunity for that.
0: Right. Right.
1: I don't represent all libertarians, but I will say
0: (laughs) uh, neither.
1: I will say my answer to that, Juliet, is libertarianism isn't a philosophy; it's a political ideology, and so uh, you have like Emma's vegan, Mm -hmm. right? You can have a carnivore. I'm much closer to actually being carnivore. I'm not actually carnivore, but like if I was eating the way that I wanted to and was best for my body, I would be completely carnivore. But that's a that's a that's not a political decision. It's a, it's a different, there's different, there might even be different moral. I mean, I think Emma, your reasons are moral, right? Yeah. Not health, right? So there's like a different moral code that's being applied, but we agree that neither one of us should be going through the political system to enforce whatever the hell it is that we think you should be doing there. Um, so I think a lot of times people are like, well, why does? what's the libertarian position on blah, blah, blah? And it's like, well, if it's not a political question, there's not really a universal libertarian position on that thing because people have different mm-hmm. perspectives on it.
2: I mean, My, I think... One of, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Emma. I just say, I think one of the best things about living in a free society is that people are able to do things that you think are terrible and that you find right. repugnant. And they, they're free to do them. And that's often really difficult. I think that's why we often get these authoritarian impulses from people because they have this very strong moral conviction that this thing must be stopped. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that outside of, I think, violence, right? I think that the state should prevent people or punish people for murdering others. Um, You know, I I think outside of just violence, one of the best and also worst things about living in a free society is that they get to do what they want and you get to do what you want. And if you don't like it, you can use your free speech to tell them that you think they're wrong. Right. right.
1: And you can bring argument to it. And like, if Emma and I wanted to have a debate about, I mean, actually, there's someone Keith, oh, let's the hat guy, is a, is a vegetarian, right? <laughs> uh, and like, he and I had a debate about this like years ago. I, in fact, I went vegetarian for a while so that I could have the conversation with him without being biased about eating meat. Like, but that was like. We've been buddies for 25 years. We don't like, and there's no neither one of us was saying you should force people to eat meat or not eat meat. It was just trying to make the argument. And if if an argument wins out over time through evidence and like or just good more good argumentation, then then great. It can it can win out. Um, sports. I don't. I'm I'm curious, Emma. What's the rights conflict that you see in sports? Because I look at the sports situation and I go none of this is free market. So there's no right to be on a team. There's no right. You don't have a right to be on a sports team. You don't have a right to go to university. You don't have a right to be on a sports team of your own gender. You don't have a right to like, none of those are rights. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you have, what you have a right to do is engage voluntarily with, in a contract with someone else about going to their university and following the rules or not that they lay out in order for you to attend the university. And like that's, and the university in an ideal world, obviously wouldn't have any, the government would have no say about what the university did.
2: Yeah, I think I might have a slightly broader definition of rights. You know, I think of like right to be free from discrimination as an example. Um, and that's probably a bit more grounded in like existing U.S. civil rights law than like kind of a objective philosophical, like what rights do humans have? Um, but, you know, I, I do think that that is certainly a right that I, I, and this would probably cause me to disagree with some libertarians, but I do think the right to be free from kind of illogical discrimination should be protected in law. And so kind of looking at it from that angle, it's the transgender athletes' freedom, your or I guess right, rather, excuse me, you know, right to feel respected as a woman, right? And to be treated as a woman, meaning being on the women's sports team versus the female women's athletes' rights to have fundamentally fair competition, which itself to not have fair competition would be sex discrimination, right? The fact that they are female um, means that they're not able to get this fair competition because non-female people are being allowed into this competition, um, which leaves them at a distinct disadvantage. I think actually one of the, this is kind of a side note, but one of the things that interests me about these gender issues is that unlike other ways, um, and this isn't true for all, like, I think disability is probably another good example of like this, but unlike some other ways in which people have kind of a rational, hateful discrimination, say racism, whereas there's no like real differences, like this is why a lot of people argue that race isn't real. There's no real differences between people of different races and to act as such is, is weird and stupid. Um, but there are real differences between males and females. And so that means, unlike with something like race, where hitting equality means treating everyone exactly equally, when it comes to things that involve males and females, you to get equality, you do kind of have to treat females differently, right? For example, when a couple uh, has a kid, to get equality for women, the women needs more time off from work, right? Um, if, we treat, if we gave both the mother and the father the same amount of time off, that would not be equal for women because they're the one that gave birth, their body has to recover and so on. Um, and so I think in this case, securing freedom from discrimination for females means treating them differently which means giving them sex-segregated sports.
1: So you you have a very equality-based goal.
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I, that is like my kind of uh, idealistic Pollyanna, Pollyanna-ish dream for the world.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, I don't want to run out of time, and I want to talk about this other, uh, this other topic that you brought up, uh, Emma. Yes. in in Twitter DMs, Uh, and that was the question of, what news story should we be paying attention to that isn't being noticed? Um, I'll find the article if you want to introduce it.
2: Yeah, so in two Texas juvenile prisons, this was true for the summer, but we don't really know if it's still happening now. It might be, it might not be, but basically kids who are held in these prisons, boys, Um, are being, due to staffing shortages, locked in their cells for up to 22 hours a day on the weekends. And during this time, they don't have access to bathrooms. Um, And so they've been forced to urinate in water bottles, defecate on lunch trays just really absolutely inhumane, lack of basic sanitary facilities. Um, And because as you would imagine, the kind of kids that end up in juvenile prisons often have really severe mental health issues. It's only getting worse, right? Because they're also completely isolated. And so, um, you know, you're having cases of kids who are self-harming or hurting themselves really severely. So they'll need immediate medical attention just so they can get Either interactions with humans or to use the bathroom because they're being left for hours on end without access to it, um, and it's just really obviously like a horrific abuse of human rights. And I think the libertarian angle from it, not only just the, the outrage at the at the conditions in government facilities, but I think involving children. There's this particular angle that if a parent did this to their kid, right, locked them in their bedroom for 22 hours, was forcing them to defecate on the floor, just horrific treatment. Um, most people would call that child abuse, in fact, horrific child abuse. In fact, child abuse so bad that there might even be justification, even for the most libertarian among us, for the state to intervene right, and take the child from their parents' custody because they're being treated so horrifically. Yet, when the state does it, no one can hold it. No one can say these children need to be taken somewhere else where they're safer and they're treated better. Um, and to me, this should be an absolute national outrage. This is horrific that this is happening. Um, the conditions in many prisons are terrible, um, but I, I think I understandably, um, you know, I've written some about conditions in youth prisons, but they're they're particularly bad because these kids are so young. Um, and yeah, it it just really this should be just. A national outrage, and it has not gotten as much coverage as I think it should.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I did a little a little bit of research on this, and it's like seventy something close to seventy percent of the kids have like mental health mm-hmm. issues, um, and these are kids between like ten and seventeen for the most part. There's mm-hmm. some kids who are like up to eighteen if they committed the crime before seventeen, but um, and it is. I mean, I put some of the stuff on the screen. I don't want to necessarily read it all because it's kind of gross, but. I mean, they are forced to use their cells as bathrooms, basically. Um, and there's only this is the other thing that I thought was kind of shocking. There's fewer than 600 kids in the system here in Texas. So it's not like we're talking about billions of dollars that they need to spend. This isn't like this isn't like, oh my God, there's just such a huge problem. It's like it's like 600 kids. Um, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, it shouldn't be that big of a deal to manage, I guess is, is my point.
2: Right. I mean, it's just critical understaffing. And a lot of it is, I mean, to, to be frank, if you could get a job literally anywhere else, why would you be a prison guard? Um, most prisons don't even have air conditioning during the Texas summer. If you can do anything else, why would you like, I mean, being, it's just a terrible job. Why would anybody want it? And they did, um, there was an approved raise for staff to try to attract more staff. I don't remember off the top of my head if they've been able to attract more staff, but there was an investigation into this and it seemed that even kind of several months after the peak of this during the summer, kids there are still saying that there's a problem Um, because there are just not enough staff because they have to individually unlock the cell, take each kid out. And and then of course, not even if they did have access to bathrooms, the fact that these kids are being locked alone in their cells all day Especially during the weekends, is horrific. I mean, I think even the most mentally healthy person, if locked in a room for 22 hours, would start going crazy, right? And so, how do you expect these kids, who probably part of how they ended up in prison is that their mental health issues led to a complete lack of impulse control, and that led them to commit whatever crime? Um, You know, like how, how do you expect those kids to get better? And a lot of times they're not getting. They're supposed they're supposed to be educated right like and and yeah. that and even their like bare bones education that they're supposed to be getting in prison they're not even getting right they're not getting the packets of worksheets that they need and it's just it's just child abuse to me right I don't think because a kid committed a crime means that we can abuse them um and it's it's just really horrifying
1: yeah I mean some of the crimes that i'm I'm sure some of these crimes would would turn our stomachs but um the, the fact is they are under the state's control at this point and like, if you're, gonna, if you're going to decide that remanding someone to prison is a punishment, uh, especially a kid, uh, yeah, this would be child abuse to, to do.
2: Right. And, and I think kids especially, I mean, I think, I, I strongly believe that our prison should be focused on rehabilitation, but especially when you're dealing with kids. Like, who are, what, 10? I, I'm not sure that, it, that a 10-year-old is past hope, um, But under these situations, how can you expect them to be rehabilitated? Um, There's another story that from this prison that was published by the, I think the Texas Tribune was the outlet of a kid who basically seemed like he committed kind of like robberies, property crimes um, that landed him in jail. And he had mental health issues that were so severe. He tried to kill himself all the time. He had all of these injuries. And after years, his mom was finally able to get him into an inpatient hospital. And then he went right back. And, you know, who, who knows how long he's going to be in there. It's really setting up these kids to just be in prisons for, for their whole lives. Um, when they're still at a point in which I think that with, like, proper, like, for, for a lot of times, like, really thorough mental health care, maybe drug addiction treatment, they they might be able to live normal adult lives. Um, and even if they can't, prisons should not be like this. Humans don't deserve to be treated so- like this.
1: What do you? I mean, this is kind of a broader question. I, I looked this up according to 2018 numbers. I think we're talking about roughly 20 percent of the people that are arrested, kids that are arrested, are for like stupid stuff that I think most libertarians would be like, really like marijuana possession, drunkenness, like curfew loitering violations. Like, okay, so we can throw that 20 percent out. Like, they shouldn't really be in the system in a major way anyway. Um, but There's about 3,000, at least from what I can tell from 2018, there's about 3,000 kids who, like, committed some kind of direct violence crime, right? Like, murder, rape, aggravated assault, like, serious stuff. Um, What do you do with those kids? Because I'm not a big fan of locking people up generally either, and I like the restitution idea. But what do you do with a 15-year-old who murdered someone?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I'm not a prison abolitionist necessarily. Like, I think that when people are direct threats to society, violent threats to other people, they do need to be removed from society for some time for everyone's safety. Um, I think that 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 is probably necessary in some cases, but I, I don't think prison being necessary justifies prisons being horrible in, in terms of their conditions. Um, I think that you know, for, for these kids, like rehabilitation should be tried, you know, even if they're likely facing decades in jail. Um, but it is a really difficult situation. I think that, you know, prison should be reserved for only the people who are violent threats to society. Um, and in that case, regardless, like the conditions of their prison should still be basically humane um and yeah i think when you're dealing with really young kids there's also like the hope of some kind of uh, some some kind of therapeutic uh change in them um especially again especially with young kids
1: and no one like this story is not being talked about nationally very much or at least i don't i don't see it um and i don't know if it's unique to texas are you aware of kind of is this a texas thing or is this elsewhere
2: um, I'm not sure. Um, I Texas is the only place I've seen conditions this bad. Generally, juvenile prisons are terrible places to be. Um, like all prisons are terrible places to be, but this specific kind of abuse, I'm I'm not familiar with in other places. But that doesn't mean it's not there. I'm just not familiar with it.
1: Sure, and I, I'm not sure that anything's really being done in Texas about this either, from what I can tell.
2: No, no, I mean, they're they're trying to get more staff because it is a staffing issue. Um, But I I don't know at the time. I don't know if by now they've had more staff sign up. But if people don't apply for your job, I mean, you can keep offering to pay more. um, But there's only so much that can be done there. Um, I think the turnover rate
1: there is huge. I think it's like 70% or something horrible.
2: Right. Again, because who wants to be a prison guard at a prison? that sounds like the worst job. It's like, yeah.
0: Like, like especially, I mean, the picture in this article, like, there, I mean, I'm not unrealistic. Like, violent minors that maybe can't be saved, like, we do have to handle that. But sticking them in something that, like, truly looks like some kind of concentration camp with terrible conditions, they don't even have access to a toilet in their cell, you know. Like, and then having the conditions be so terrible that they can't even hold on to staff who went into this field like as a career, so they kind of knew what they were getting themselves into. Um, how are like? I mean, none of those kids are ever gonna do better in life. This is not gonna teach them to stay out of prison. It's going to absolutely destroy their brains. I mean, it's truly, that's like, that's abuse. If if a parent did that to their child, locked them up for 22 hours and made them, you know, use objects in their bedroom as a bathroom, um, the parent would go to prison for that. That's horrific right. abuse. So, I mean, I don't know. Texas is a funny state, <laughs> but uh, in my opinion, that facility should be shut down and all of those kids should be sent to facilities that actually function that
2: that seems to be happening not shut down but like more kids are being sent to kind of county jail mm-hmm. situations um if i remember correctly because of the situation being so bad here but yeah i mean sort of sort of my fundamental position on it is you don't have to morally earn your right to basically humane treatment yeah but i i, I don't like the kid could have done horrible, horrible things. And they, even if they might need to be in prison in some way, do not deserve to be treated like that. Um, I think being removed from society is punishment though.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the part of the one of the articles I was reading, I don't remember which article it was, but it was talking about how these kids are going to therapy. And I've just imagined like the therapy session, you sit down with your therapist and he's like, well, how, you know, how are things going? It's like, well, today I pooped on myself floor because I haven't been let out for 22 hours. It's like, I don't, how can you take any, as a kid, how could you take the system seriously at all? If that's what's, if that's what, I mean,
2: it I, would I make mean, you an anarchist but, if
1: you weren't an anarchist going in, you would be like, really, this is the system.
2: Right, right. You can't. I mean, it, it's, it's very much a classic story in if, any kind of private personal entity did this, it would be a crime, but because the state does it, there's no oversight. There's no accountability. There's really nothing that can be done unless the state decides to change it. And unfortunately, because kids in prison are a group that not, there isn't like a kids in prison lobby, right? You know, there's, there, this is not a group of people that I think have a lot of allies, um, and so, hopefully, this situation will improve. But I think it will only improve if the state of Texas decides they want it to improve.
0: Yeah,
1: there is a. I did find, if anyone's interested in this, I did find there's the Hog Foundation for Mental Health. Thankfully, I don't think it's related to David Hog uh, at all. It's just a coincidence. Maybe it's Boss Hog, because um, it's Texas. Was he? Oh, it probably wasn't Texas.
2: Right. But Boss Hog. Um, he was a governor of Texas, right?
1: Boss Hog? He was from uh, Dukes of Hazard, but I don't remember I'm what space Dukes of Hazard was, was in.
2: Um, no, Big Jim Hog was in it. Either way, there's a fun fact <laughs> where there's a governor of Texas whose last name was Hog, who had a daughter named I'm a Hog. That's the fun fact.
1: Oh yes, I remember that. Oh was, maybe God. Maybe his
2: name was Big Jim. I don't know why. But this is just. I'm, now I'm, I have I'm to look it right up.
1: up. I'm a Hog. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The first lady of Texas, an American Society leader, for now, yep. she was a mental health advocate as well. Maybe it's named after her. <laughs> it
1: might be. That's it might be named after her. It's
2: named after.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here it well. is. I'm going to anyway. paste a link in chat, um, <laughs> and they have a thing about the Texas juvenile uh, justice system. If you want to know just like kind of basic facts about what's going on um, and stats, they've got a org chart for who's in charge. Um, So all that stuff is, I just posted it in chat for anyone who cares. Um, But, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to say about, uh, on the one hand, I think the, if you look at stats, youth crime generally has been going down, although in the last few years, I think it's kind of turned around and come back up a little bit. Um, I don't know if that's COVID related. Um, but yeah, I, it makes me not makes me worry about who's going to be running the country when I'm 80. That's a separate issue. <laughs> well, I
0: mean, if you think I'm about, probably 80 uh, year old still. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Another 80 That's true.
1: Probably <laughs> probably better than whoever's running now. What? If it was that if it were the people, these guys actually, I would rather have these people be running the country because it wouldn't be the World World Economic Forum. And and actually, people with master's degrees in English, probably... No offense, I don't know if you have a master's degree in English, Emma. But I have a master's probably... degree in
2: English. But... <laughs> See, there you go.
1: They're probably the worst as a category.
2: I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, Julia, you are going to say something.
0: Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, honestly, ever since just c- civilizations kind of veered away from eye-for-an-eye eye punishment, this has been a problem. I mean, this is why... The British Empire shipped people to Australia because they were like, "Well, we don't know what to do with you. Like, we can't keep you in prison forever. Can't let you out in society. Off you go." And I mean, Georgia and one of the Carolinas was also a penal colony. maybe yeah, they will moon penal colonies. I mean, honestly,
2: that that's a better situation for people because they can have <laughs> a new life somewhere else. Right? I, no. it, it is. It's a really terrible. Like, what do you do in this situation? Um, I mean, there is one way of just really turning our idea of punishment philosophically on its head and not view, you know, what what we do to people after they commit crimes as retribution, but that does seem to offend most people's innate sense of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, what do you do? But the idea of bringing back, like, corporal punishment and beheadings and cutting people's hands off when they steal is also seems pretty barbaric. Mm-hmm. Um
1: does indeed, but,
2: but it did have the benefit of letting people back in society. This is not me advocating for.
1: <laughs> you heard it here, everyone. in <laughs> a camp advocating for cutting your hand off when you're stolen. Yeah,
2: no, I, I don't think I like. I, I don't think that that's the way forward. But it does have some benefits that are currently lacking right now. Um, but yeah, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm sure there are people smarter than me who know what to do. But I, you know, you you both want to have a world in which. People who have crimes happen to them get justice, right? And that we deter people from committing crimes. Like, I mean, of course, in Train, I think property crime is also real crime, right? Like, it is bad that people are getting their cars broken into and their houses burglarized and getting mugged or whatever in, in, in a lot of cities. Um, that's bad, as well as violent crime is bad. Um, but, yeah, the way we punish people seems massively outsized but also you want to punish them in a way that keeps them from doing it again. Yeah, and
1: there's no real real, um, focus on restitution, which is like, because really what you want is if I break into Juliet's car, uh, really the right thing for me to do if I want to make amends with Juliet is like, okay, well, I'll pay for it and I'll pay for some like the inconvenience and like, I, I need to make restitution. So at the end of the day, she feels like, eh, it's not so bad that my car was broken into. Like it was, it was inconvenient, but I got some compensation for it and now everything's back. And like, there's a, but right now the victim doesn't get any compensation at all for yeah. anything. Uh, what we offer them instead is don't worry. We'll punish them, which is like, thanks. But
2: you yeah. know, that, that is an interesting point. Like if, if someone like, I don't know, like murdered my dad, giving me a million dollars would not get my dad back, but it would feel better to me than seeing the person that killed him, like, executed, right? right. I would rather have a million dollars than have... Yeah. I mean, I'd say in the case of murder, there is, like, some compelling reason to keep the person out of society, but, yeah, some some kind of pride. Like, I, I think I'd rather get money than see the person suffer, because seeing someone suffer doesn't help me, right? right. It helps me and, to have And a- you're a- actually oh.
1: paying for them to suffer a little bit, because...
2: Right, because I'm I'm paying for it with my taxes. Right? With, right, with these things that manage to be so expensive despite being so shitty, um, yeah. it doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh,
2: I I brought really happy articles to you guys. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> that I was do appreciate. Too much of a downer.
1: Wait. Wait. Can we? We'll end on something even worse because I have a oh, question yeah. for you guys. Uh
0: oh. Okay.
1: What do you think of that fascism? Uh, how's it? Did, have you been paying attention to Italy?
0: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> uh, a, a little bit, not enough. I'm not a little bit. This question intelligently. Oh,
1: that that's okay. I mean, uh, Maloney wants. She's the Brothers of Italy person, and she's being decried as a fascist. I don't know how much is actually true because it's like everyone's called Hitler nowadays. So like I don't really know if she's actually a fascist, but she's probably more right leaning. And I think there's a coalition with. Uh, uh, Forza Italy and the League, which are kind of right-leaning things. The, the question's not really about Italy. Uh, it is it is about um, one thing that I worry about as, as a liberty-minded person is I see a lot of this crazy progressivism. I see a lot of the progressive authoritarianism rearing its ugly head in the last several years. And I'm also seeing a the backlash of... Um, I'm seeing the people on the right become, not all of them, uh, but some of them becoming increasingly authoritarian in their own response. Uh, and I know there's that kind of cliche that there's a pendulum and like, okay, well, it's this way now. It's going to swing the other way. Uh, I, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, do you think there's going to be a massive right swing or – and when I say to the right, I mean actually like authoritarian right, as opposed to the authoritarian left. We're stuck in authoritarianism. I'm pretty sure that's clear. Uh, are we going to go the other way, other kind of authoritarianism or no? Yeah,
2: I mean, I think I think that left-wing and right-wing authoritarianism are both at highs right now. And actually, I think right-wing authoritarianism is more powerful. I think we have this illusion that left-wing authoritarianism is more powerful because left-wing authoritarians run all of our knowledge-making institutions, right? They run most mainstream media organizations. They run universities. They run, you know, government regulatory agencies like the CDC and so on. And so we think, like, these are the people with all the power, when really the people with all the power are state legislatures. And we're seeing a lot of right-wing authoritarianism out of state legislatures, whether it's anti-CRT bans. No matter how you feel about CRT, they contain a lot of First Amendment concerns. You know, attempts to control people's speech, to ban books, to ban certain parental decisions—like again with Abbott trying to bring CPS to haul away parents that are making parenting choices that he doesn't Um, like—I think that is much more powerful Um, in in terms of the ability to actually change the fabric of people's lives by changing policy. You know, of course, I think the social realm is important. That's why I've written about self-censorship. I think. The left has, left-wing libertarians have a lot of the social realm, right? They have media, they have what movies we watch and so on. But, like, the people who, but, like, it's right, it's it's red state state legislatures that have the power to change the fabric of people's lives, right? No matter how you feel on abortion, I know libertarians are divided on abortion, but, like, it is, you know, it's the red state state legislatures that are not just saying abortion is illegal, but we're going to pass these you know, kind of labyrinthine laws that might make it really difficult to get emergency health care, right? They're the people that are really kind of cracking down and constraining people's freedoms. Um, and I'm not saying if the le- if, if, if there were more left-wing state legislatures with more power, I think they'd be doing it too. Like, I don't think there's something more inherently authoritarian about right-wing ideology or more uh, inherently authoritarian about left-wing ideology. I'm a libertarian, I hate them both. Um, but I think in the moment right now we're kind of lulled into a false sense of security about the right. Um, when in reality, I think they're really dangerous right now. But really, I think I think they're both really dangerous. And the the main I think we should be much more concerned about authoritarianism than we are. Um, and, and I and not to say like yes I, I think people overtalk fascism too much. I think when we use a word so many times it stops making sense. I think we should reserve it for actual fascism, but I, I don't think the way to counter left-wing authoritarianism is with right-wing authoritarianism or vice versa. I think we need freedom and liberty, hence why I do what I do.
1: Man, that's depressing because what I'm hearing from you when I when I integrate it into my own knowledge base is uh, we're going to get both. At, from Washington, we're going to get left-wing authoritarianism. And then at states, we're going to get uh, right-wing authoritarianism. And we get double authoritarianism.
2: Right. And, and I think kind of the logic is, like, you have to play dirty. And, and, but, but when people stop following the rules, like, chaos occurs, right? The idea is that, well, with Donald Trump, he was going off the rails. He was playing dirty. He was being authoritarian. And authoritarian. Now the left needs to do it, too, or he's going to win. Um, and I don't think that, yeah, that's their the justification. For... The solution, right. And then yeah. when, when the left gets authoritarian, then the right's going to get even more authoritarian, authoritarian. And it's just this beautiful, not beautiful, it's this terrible <laughs> lunch. Um, and it's people's individual liberty that suffers.
0: Right. I mean, it's a, it's essentially like an arms race. Like if this side yeah. is doing it, well, now we need to do it because they're doing it. And then, you know, everybody just amps up further and further. Um I mean I kind of believe in the pendulum. Like there is a you know cause and effect thing that happens here. However, our, our media paints anybody slightly right of center now as you know being far right, like extreme ultra. I CNN ultra right for this party in Italy um and by the and, way i think
1: she's more of a she's probably more just of a populist from what i can tell right, like i mean
0: i was looking into her today that's too funny carter because this was one of the things i i brought just in case was the same topic but um she describes her party as center right which is interesting and it's the united states media is and european like eu country media is the one that's flipping out about this in italy they're like okay cool they're not they don't consider this some like far right candidate at all i mean she's just you know but like because of a very thin connection to you know like 1940s italy they're calling her a fascist now i mean it's just it's it's labeling with big scary words as they have been doing and it, instead of listening to, like, what is it this person is actually saying? Does that seem extreme? Like, what, how, what policies would she implement to reach these goals? Because if, if it's just a different view on how things should operate, but she's not going to, you know, send troops through the streets to make it happen, like, that's not authoritarian. It's not fascism. I think most people in the United States today probably couldn't define fascism.
2: No, yeah, and and I think when we use words like fascism, mm-hmm. um, when we overuse them, we make it harder to name the thing when it actually happens. Right. This is one of the many reasons why I despise the speech is violence discourse so much. Because mm. if speech can be violence, what do you call actual violence? Right. Right. How do you condemn speech. actual violence? They've
1: they've given us the answer to that. It's speech, Emma. <laughs>
2: Everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah you speak for that. But, I, they, uh, I
1: think they've said that, right? I've, they've mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, we're just expressing ourselves. Oh my gosh. Right,
2: and then and and clearly, and that leads to lots of problems, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, th- I think we should try to be accurate and truthful when we describe situations and not give into sensationalism. But sensationalism gets those sweet, sweet dollar bills. So.
1: Yeah, okay. I I think I I think um maloney is like mildly anti-globalist but she still wants to be in the eurozone she's not even that anti-globalist she just like like kind of doesn't like it as much as everyone else um let me uh, let me uh i just want to push back on some or ask a clarification really more than push back um i hear this trope a lot that like oh trump was an authoritarian what did he actually do during his presidency let's like skip the january 6th crap what did he do during his presidency that was authoritarian
2: I mean, I I was mostly thinking of the January 6th stuff, I think denying that an election that you lost fair and square, like denying that you lost it and doing everything you can to hold on to power, including encouraging people to storm through the Capitol, or or rather uh, uh, implicitly approving of it, is pretty authoritarian.
1: Okay, so that you're just you're just limiting it to that because when I look at his oh, right, presidency, I mean, I think
2: he used a lot of authoritarian rhetoric, but I, I think to be fair, in terms of actual actions, um, yeah, I think that's probably like the most clearly authoritarian action. He used a lot of authoritarian rhetoric, you know, um, but I think to be completely fair, that's like the the most kind of lawless thing to me because to me, like an authoritarian action is one that kind of totally skirts the rule of law um, and what we, or, or not rule of law, that that's incorrect, that's a bad way of putting it, like principles, like legal principles that we hold dear in a free society, right? Things like respecting the outcomes of fair and free elections, um, not trampling speech that is protected by the First Amendment, not, you know, it, it, basically these kinds of constitutional rights that we have, you know, not quartering soldiers in people's house, a thing that happens right, right, so right. frequently, um, but yeah.
1: I, I I didn't want to get into I don't want to go down a January 6th rabbit hole, but
0: <laughs> what's, what's I, I, was just, was, I was just
1: curious, right? Because I hear a lot of like even before Jan j- January 6th stuff. Like I hear a lot of like, oh, Trump was an authoritarian, and you know, as a guy who was uh, in college during the Clinton administration, I guarantee you, most of what he said could have been verbatim right out of Bill Clinton's mouth. Like, right, and it, to be fair, what i was saying, he's Trump's not that authoritarian. Crazy.
2: I was saying that like as the like left wing authoritarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see
1: this. Yeah, fair. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah.
2: I should have put more more scare quotes
1: over that. Uh, no, no, no. Fair <laughs> enough. I just I just wanted but to. I also, I just I also
2: to... think that if Trump could be like supreme leader for life, he totally would. Um, but of Maybe. course, could have would have. A lot shoulda, of people right? might you be know, supreme leader. That I mean, like there are a lot of people that would be supreme leader for life. If they could, but,
1: yeah, I think you know, everyone I think. who's ever been president, almost at least during my lifetime, all of them would have been supreme leader for, leader for life if they thought they could get away with it.
2: Right. I think Trump thought he could get away with it a little right, bit. Right, fine.
1: I'm just I'm like, but yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that that's. Because he, uh, he
2: actually kind of tried. Um, it, it failed as it was doomed to. I don't think January 6 was ever going to succeed.
1: But yeah, but I mean, you saw Hillary say the same thing in 2016, right? right, oh, right it, was but she a, it was a fake election.
2: She did the the outcome of the election. She right? did.
1: She did. absolutely I mean, she in, absolutely in a way it she did. Where she
2: actually tried to get the results overturned, like to well, be fair, she it was not she, totally, she, she couldn't. Right. Like it. it was not. I, I think her doing the like. Well, you know, Russia interfered. Just the same way that Stacey Abrams like refusing to concede to Brian Kemp. Like right. that is bad form. Um, but that is not a January sixth. Um, it's still. Oh, it's still someone bad, says right? Calvin. Sorry. Someone said
1: Calvin Coolidge quit. So there's the one who didn't. <laughs> uh, he didn't want to stay in power, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but i i the history lesson was good for me okay
2: no, it's good,
1: it's good. yeah okay right, so calvin calvin Coolidge He's our guy i i you know i'm a, i'm a, as a uh small l libertarian type of person myself i am concerned that uh i'm concerned that we're gonna get both i'm concerned that what you said is correct that we have uh in Washington a move to the left that's a the left has become increasingly authoritarian. And by the way, uh, if we're going to do, if we're going to take a tally in history, leftist authoritarianism is much more deadly. Uh, as bad as rightist authoritarianism is, the left has done a much better job of killing people. Um, so we've got that coming from Washington and under the guise of protecting us from that, we've got, you know, the uh, kind of opposite from the conservatives saying, well, I don't like that Twitter's, Banning people that, you know, therefore we're going to write laws to, you know, we think the government should be involved in what Twitter can and can't do. And like, or as you said, like, I hate CRT personally, um, but banning it from private companies and saying you can't talk about it. Like I would argue private companies shouldn't, and it's not related to the bottom line and it actually will hurt your business in the long run. And like, there's a whole bunch of problems with it. And like, we could have that, argument with private companies about it, but banning them from using it, like, that's authoritarian.
2: Right. And I think for schools, it's a great argument for school choice, right? If you want to send your kid to a school where they're going to learn CRT principles and this specific view on race, great. You are totally free to do that. You can send your kid to that school. And if you want to send your kid to a school where that doesn't happen, and even you want to send your kid to a school that goes the full, like, patriotism America is always awesome, Fine, cool, not my business. Raise your kid that way. Send them to a school doing that.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if well, <laughs> the problem is the argument that you should only get to send your kid to a school that you pay for is in and itself a political position that is not widely accepted. So
2: Well, I said more school choice in terms of funding following students. Yeah. You get in oriented like the school choice policy, it's a little too late for that. Fair but enough. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Um Am I missing anything else, Juliet? that we that we should touch on before we let Emma go?
0: No, uh, one point that like every time we talk about like the extremes of either side of the spectrum, it brings me back to this book I read forever ago where the author was pointing out that really, if you think about it, it's not far left versus far right. It's the spectrum is tyranny on one end and anarchy on the other. So you're either pro-freedom or anti-freedom. And so both ends are bad. We know that, but you know, so it's kind of like the more extreme any party gets, the worse it is for humanity as a whole, even if they are the party that's pushing the agenda you like better, it still ends poorly for everybody.
2: Right. I, I agree with that. I, I think mm-hmm. that's right. I think that it's much authoritarian versus kind of libertarian, not being the big L sense, is a much more important spectrum. Right, right. It's, it's the, the right. best You're way to frame it. Libertarians and right libertarians, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, uh, fundamentally, I think the ideological, you know, I think people in terms of their personalities um, are more attracted to libertarian or authoritarian ideology and whether or not they picked left-wing or right-wing is often arbitrary. Right. Um, I think that, you know, someone can be convinced to take up left-wing ideology or right-wing ideology. Um, you know, you can persuade them in arguments, but I think fundamentally people are kind of attracted to authoritarianism or to libertarianism. And it's just part of who they are and their personality. And you can't really change that.
1: Yeah. that I, I've come to a similar conclusion uh, that there's just a, you either care about individual. You're either a collectivist or an individualist, like fundamentally. Um, and uh, you know the thing that the sad thing is, as this pendulum's swinging, it's only swinging between two sides of authoritarianism. The conservatives. I'll say right right now. I one thing that bothers me is the Republicans pre- pretending to care about individual rights, or 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 even pretending to be conservative in the sense they conserve anything. They have never – when was the last time you heard an actual politician say we should abolish X? The state shouldn't do X. It doesn't matter what it is, anything. Any position should be abolished. Like never, which means we're only marching in one direction. The state does more and more and more and more and more of everything. And I would love to have – I don't care if it's like a minor thing. Like, you know, the state should get rid of, I don't know, some, you know – some small department in the EPA that manages the stickleback <laughs> population. Like, whatever. Someone say that something should be cut, please. But no one ever does. Um, which which gives you an indication of everyone, everyone in power is on the side of the authoritarian. Like, they're all the collectivist side. They're all on the authoritarian side. But, but um, because
2: they have the hubris to think that they're correct. Right, I, I think a, a hallmark of authoritarianism is a lack of humility. Right, you are so bold as to think, you know, what I am so right that it is unimaginable that I could be wrong. Therefore, who cares if the people who disagree with me get a chance to express their desires? Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, um, and that is almost always a folly because we are almost always wrong as individuals.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the the only way that you get to be right is if more and more people are free to say their own thing and do their own thing and then you can learn from them and be like, "Oh, I'm hearing a different opinion." Uh but you never get to do that if no one gets to speak it. So. Uh Emma, what else should do you want to leave any are there any like what are your sage remarks? Like just say something profound and awesome.
2: That's a lot of pressure I don't think I can do it profound and awesome. <laughs> um I, I will plug Reason Magazine. Our latest cover um, uh, cover story is called Authoritarian Convergence by Stephanie Slade. It is about the increase of left- and right-wing authoritarianism. Um, but, yeah, we should start thinking more on lines of liberty versus authority instead of left and right, and I think that'll both help us libertarians find more allies uh, and also help us name these kind of terrible – authoritarian impulses for what they are and maybe guard us against a real shift towards dangerous uh violations of rights in the future. Mm-hmm. hopefully that was profound enough for you put it on a coffee that was, that
1: was, <laughs> that'll do and i i have a, now i have a follow-on question do you think that or more people are waking up to because i've been i mean that the the authoritarian libertarian kind of I mean, people have been talking about it for, I I know I've been talking about it for years. People have been talking about it for years. I feel like it resonates with more and more people. I'm hearing more and more people say, hey, I think it's this spectrum, which is like, great. Uh, I I hadn't heard that before. Do you think more and more people are waking up to this or more and more people are starting to shift how they're viewing and not care too much about red or blue and more about this other dynamic? Or no?
2: I'd like to say so. Maybe. I think it's a very small portion of the population. I think partisan divides are much more attractive because they're the kind of things that make us angry, right? What makes us angry isn't like you are for the state growing and its power, and I am for individual freedom. It's that makes me angry. What do you mean? You know, it's these like you want to control my body and you want to murder babies. It's like those kind of arguments are the things that like get people really engaged and make them mad. Um, And I think anger is a very attractive human emotion. Um, and that it influences what we do. So I, I hope more people do, um, but I think these kind of ideological partisan alignments um, are much more attractive. Because I also think the authoritarianists are much louder and much better at setting the norms in their respective ideological groups. So yep. only doom and gloom for me.
1: Excellent. <laughs> the well, you fit in here this. well. Yeah. No, that's uh, you fit in. You fit in well here, um, Emma. Thank you so much. Can you? Remind everyone how they can follow your work, where they can find you.
2: Yes. um, I'm an assistant editor at Reason Magazine. You can find my work on Reason.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at at Emma, but it's spelled with three N's. So E-M-M-N-A underscore camp, spelled like summer camp, C-A-M-P underscore. Hopefully you'll remember that.
1: (laughs) I will. Uh, Thank you again so much. Uh, It was a pleasure to speak with you. And um, yeah, we hope to have you back.
2: All
1: right. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to unsafe space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there.
3: Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. If you think about it, only government sanction experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't think about it, I mean, that's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific